Hi folks, and thanks for listening to this Tortoiseshek podcast. Let's all hope August is a little bit drier than July. Uh, we could all do with a little bit of sunshine in our lives. What you may not know is that the best time to join us is at the beginning of the month because you can sample all we have on offer in our entire back catalogue, all plea free in one consolidated feed for the price of a fancy cup of coffee and a scone. And if you don't think it's value for money at the end of the month, you just cancel. So why not join us today? Click the link that says patreon.com forward slash tortoise shack. It's the easiest bit of activism you can do. A few quid from you goes a long way to keeping the space that we call the tortoise shack open and available for conversations like the one you're about to listen to. And if you're not in a position to join us, just tell people about us. Spread the word. We have no ads. We have no sponsors. We rely on word of mouth. Send your pal a WhatsApp and recommend one of our episodes. That'd be great. But if you can, click the link that says patreon.com forward slash tortoise It's at the top of the podcast you're listening to right now. Thanks for listening. Thanks for the support. I'm shutting up now. Enjoy the podcast. Hello and welcome to the Echo Chamber podcast. My name is Tony Groves. And Martin, um, we've been looking forward to this conversation. Uh, as usual, it's we we love to talk to people in different places in the globe. And our guest today is a, a listener favorite, but someone who uh, we, we, we speak to is probably not often enough, if we're honest, is it? No, we don't speak often. And, and Nicholas, I have this problem with Tony. I say to Tony, we need to go back and talk to people in these areas. And it's so hard to convince him to go back. It's just... <laughs> yeah, I get the blame for everything. He's, uh, but no, the, the truth of it is, like, folks, we, we've we've been very lucky to meet people uh, tr- through the podcast and people we get to talk to. And one of the best contributors we have is is uh, is Nicholas Dale-Leal, who is with El País, and he's based in, in South America, Latin America. And uh, like I did see a story, and we will get to it, that I really, really think everybody will want to hear about. And, and it was in El Pais when I was reading it. And we will get to that, Nicholas. But first of all, how are you keeping? I'm very good, thank you. And and thanks a lot for the invite again. I'm very happy to mm. to come back, as always. Listen, um, can I just... Can we start things off on a political, on a political setting now and just base... What has been happening, as we know, that when we started talking about the changes in in the governments of, say, Brazil, particularly in Colombia, and their moves to the left, and now the reaction in the West in the last few months, Nicholas, how have you guys seen firsthand seen that? Because it appears that there's a shock that a left wing government in Brazil, particularly, has been elected and wants to implement left wing policies. Uh, it it's been. I, I just I have found it a bit surprising that you know the reaction, particularly in Western media. How has it looked on the ground? Um, well, it's still we have to say it is very early days mm. in the Luna uh, government, and internally he's uh, yes pointed towards uh, certain uh, agendas. Uh, the reality is that the economic situation in in Brazil has deteriorated enormously since he was in power since Dilma was ousted and during the Bolsonaro years uh, so he basically wants to uh, start uh, keep going where he where he left off uh, basically uh, and yes that involves uh, you know some some uh, packages of of big public spending for example that that you know, goes against the sort of mantra of austerity. Uh, but I think in, in economic terms, uh, Lula is, with his experience, quite wise. He, he 
despite you know having uh, his ideals, which are very clearly progressive, um, he he won't want to antagonize uh, uh, the the you know economic uh, forces in Brazil. Uh, because at the end of the day, they are the ones who dynamize the economy as well and create jobs, etc. So he, he, he. I think uh, the the in that sense, I think in the ground, uh, there might be less fear uh, mm. towards that. And I and I think uh, internationally, the the main thing that's uh, maybe concerned uh, some is uh, how he has decided to stand on the international stage. Uh, and I think that's that's the main issue. Well, you know? well, yeah. So so economically, domestically, he hasn't really changed much in terms of he's trying to have a bigger expanding the public the public realm and expanding public services and looking at the big spending on that way. But he he's telling he's sending messages to industry. It'll be everything will maintain itself. But he's also pivoted towards China. Exactly. And, and that terrifies the uh, the 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 I'm going to say the the, the Western hegemony. No. Yes, definitely. I mean, as I said, uh, for example, uh, domestically, one of his main things is to get uh, international investment up. Uh, so he he he's quite happy to to work and collaborate with big international corporations. For example, uh, he he he. It's not a problem for him to have uh, like lots of foreign money coming in and you know either building roads or. Uh, you know, investing in different areas of of the Brazilian economy, uh, but yeah, the 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 where the West is a little bit more concerned is the his stance uh, in in sort of global relations, international relations, uh, and he has pivoted to China. But I I think that that is uh, kind of old news. Uh, China is or was already uh, Brazil's main commercial partner even with Bolsonaro. Uh, so it those ties were already there. So it's more in, in a diplomatic sense and really uh, more than China, it's Russia and Ukraine and and, and his rhetoric uh, with that conflict and uh, and even, you know, questioning the sort of current global gover- governance uh, system. He's criticized the uh, UN's uh, Security Council uh, so he he is putting these big questions on the table. He called for negotiations. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, uh, not to to blow our own trumpet, but today in, in El País, uh, the director of the newspaper interviewed Lula. So uh, if you are interested, that's a very good conversation. And he uh, explains, and it, it's it's very similar to like. Uh, sort of Cold War rhetoric of of non-aligned countries. I, I would I would make that parallel. I think mm. he's trying to uh, emulate that, and hopefully successfully. Uh, basically, uh, so he he's trying to to get, um, and and his 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 um, narrative is that obviously uh, peace is the main main goal, and. To achieve that and to be mediators, he really can't take any sides. And obviously, the West is very keen on everyone uh, taking Ukraine's side. Uh, but he's he's remained adamant that he's gonna not going to take any sides. That he he thinks it's important to have channels open with uh, the Kremlin, and it's important to to uh, have 
Zelensky willing to to talk. Uh, and you know he seems very adamant that that's uh, uh, the way forward. Uh, you know he's trying to get China on board, for example. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's trying to get France on board. So Macron and, and, and France have been quite. I would say, if we won't say warm, Am- amenable, amenable. Yes, yes that absolutely. It, he he has identified who are these world leaders that are willing to to have that conversation. Uh, obviously. Uh, the states, the United States, are not going to be that country. Uh, Britain's not going to be t- that country. Uh, Germany is a, maybe still sitting on the fence, but there's they, a, there's, they, a sp- there's a split in German politics, and some of them want to, and some of them are won't. And yeah. and, and uh, but just to bring this this portion, Martin, I know you had a question there, but just to bring this portion on the, to a, to a close, it is interesting that whereby. At least, because well, when we spoke, I think it was when the first time they had to go to a runoff because remember it was too close. It was what is it, you know, forty nine fifty one, and it was we had to do we had to have this vote, and we were talking about the Ukraine war, and we we had mentioned the fact that you said that maybe Lula would want to put Brazil forward as a as a country that would be open to have those conversations, and I'll give you a little bit of credit. You called it. <laughs> you were right. You were right a year ago. So well, well done there. How is it received, Nicholas, domestically? I mean, how is that that idea received domestically? Is it a popular idea domestically? Um, I think it's it's hard to tell. To be honest, I, I the reality is that the the Brazilians on the ground probably feel that that's quite far away. Uh, so I think they they um, it'll still probably be very much in the same pol- polarized lines that Brazilian politics uh, exists. So, uh, and I mean, is, uh, is, the, is the war uh, further removed because of where Brazil is located geographically? Is, is it is it further removed from the political scene? Oh, definitely. I mean, for for the whole of Latin America, uh, as with many other wars, you know, uh, European wars. I mean, so uh, the last century or yeah previous century um they they have felt very far removed and although uh latin american countries have been slightly dragged into various conflicts throughout those years uh there isn't a a, a concern you know of day-to-day concern there's a reality there there is a, a a consciousness that there is an impact you know economically there there is a large impact uh with Fuel costs and inflation, that... and 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 food costs, and and yeah, and um, I want to talk if I can jump and forgive me for this. If we could jump straight to our friend Gustavo Petro and 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 the last, because he's he's been nothing but interesting. <laughs> he's, and he's already he's already made changes in the last little while, um, getting rid of a what we would maybe conser- call a conservative finance minister, reshuffling his deck. And uh, and trying to um, push for uh, more radical solutions against the forces that are saying, you know, slow and steady. How has that gone, Nicholas? And I know, you know, Colombia, Bogota, it's very close to your heart. Um, yeah, it's hard to to be uh, entirely objective, and and obviously, it's not a, it's not a um, an objective <laughs> in that sense either. Um, that being said, uh, it is a shit show. Uh, as much as I can agree with many of 
Petro's positions. Uh, he's been very erratic, uh, and there is a there is a, a sense of fear uh, of the instability that is being uh, created. Uh, yeah, this week he ousted seven of nineteen uh, cabinet ministers. Two months ago, he he uh, fired three of them. So that's ten out of nineteen gone within nine months of of government. Uh, anyway, you see that it it's it's not it's not really conducive to you know uh, effective governance. Uh, that being said. Uh, the idea or behind that move is uh you know to to the coalition that that she had built to to uh govern was very wide it had uh, some traditional parties that are uh, very conservative including the conservative uh, party uh or colombia's conservative party and uh basically some reforms had really just sort of hit a wall uh, because these partners that were meant to be in the coalition were not, uh, you know, agreeing to to the reforms. Mainly a, a quite sweeping health reform that uh, it has been very criticised from many places. So I don't think it's an ideological uh, thing. There, there were you know legitimate questions to to the content of the reform and that really just made everything collapse but you know no one was expecting him to in in one evening to to you know chop the heads off the, seven the, there, there are it was it was absolutely you're right to point to instability and how it's how it how it's reflected but there's also and how it's actually played out in the economy in terms of you know um the the value of of and the cost of borrowing for places like colombia international markets have hold their own judgment but there was also plans to expand government's role in pensions, you know, workers' rights, uh, and all of that they've pushed against the, the conservative elements. So there is there is some ideological pushback to to, to his uh, his his plans as well. Yes, yes, without a doubt. I mean, uh, that was uh, a risk that he was taking by uh, accepting them into into the coalition and giving them uh, uh, a a seat in the cabinet which you know at the end of the day is just a trade-off you know i give you the transport ministry and you give me your votes in congress basically no and and since they weren't uh you know complying with their bit he decided not to comply with his and and he took out those elements from uh his cabinet and then some others like you mentioned the finance minister uh who is He's, I would say, very centrist academic. Uh, you know, he's he's worked with, uh, uh, I think it's Piketty in Columbia University. So he's not, uh, you know, uh, you know, a Chicago boy or or anything like that. Uh, that being said, his reputation uh, was helping uh, markets feel at ease. Uh, so his loss it does make. You know the Colombian population very jittery uh, because of of where uh, you know the the government's position will go now, and also the reaction of of markets and businesses. So that that is that is a big fear now. Of what might happen? 
I, I will say markets uh, tend to have a very short memory. And I can say that, like, I mean, uh, I don't know if you pay much attention to uh, to Ireland at the moment, but we're, we're, we're the Irish miracle now. Our tax haven is doing very well and we're running a huge surplus. Um, and um, the idea that, you know, after the global financial crisis, we had the worst the worst bailout like we had the troika we had the imf here we had you know we 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 had, we had lost sovereignty and now we're the envy of the world because markets just forget very fucking quickly when when they when 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 there's money to be made so uh, i just you know look we'll keep an eye on it and we'll continue to keep an eye on it but if we can come to the main event um and i'm I laughing because because it's 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 a story that i read with with almost through my fingers but but there was an assassination of a journalist called Rafael Moreno, and it revealed literally millions that was embezzled through Colombia. And it's it gets a lot more complex, but it was coordinated by a group called Forbidden Stories, and they pursued the investigations into the allegations of corruption in the province of Cordoba following the murder. And in many ways, when I when I mentioned it previously to listeners, I was sort of saying. You know, this is the idea when the state doesn't do its job. These people stepped up and almost did it. Nicholas, can you give us the background to this story? It's in your newspaper. It's in El Pais as well. That people can read it. The link will be there. Can you give us the background to the story and maybe the actual climate and the political climate, the social culture and climate that it exists within? Yes, yes, definitely. So, well, as you mentioned, um, he's uh, one of four journalists that were killed in Colombia in 2022, uh, making Colombia one of the three most dangerous uh, countries to be a journalist in with Mexico and Ukraine, maybe I've, I've forgotten. So basically what you're saying is you, 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 you frequent two of the most dangerous places. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, but, but, uh, there is a, a caveat there. Uh, the, the journalists that are, uh, in danger are exactly these people like Rafael Moreno, you know, uh, very local journalists, usually independent, who might have a very local radio station, or as was the case with Rafael Moreno, a Facebook page. So uh, it's not that dangerous if you're working for a big, a big corporation, uh, and mainly because you're not meddling with these sort of stories that he was meddling in. Uh, is that is that is is that universal, Nicholas? That the, the the corporate newspapers wouldn't meddle in in because it's quite an important story he was on, you know. It's I think it's it's not so much that uh, there isn't an interest or or anything like that. It's just a presence thing, uh, it and sources, you know. Uh, this this man Rafael Moreno was investigating uh, the the politics and 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 businesses around the little town he was born in rural Colombia uh, it's very hard to keep tab, tabs on that um and that's what at the end of the day these this big consortium for example uh, um is trying to to help out so uh, if these these local journalists feel that they are in fear they can reach out uh, and hand over the documents and they will take over the investigation as was the case in in this uh, situation um but yeah in general the 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 danger is more for for these sort of local uh independent journalists also because 
it, it's very easy to to kill them with impunity. Uh, it's not very easy to kill a journalist so, so, with a big name in the capital. Just for listeners' benefit, why was he murdered? It, no, but it's it's his reporting is why he was murdered. When you, when yeah, you, yeah, it was, it's, it, exactly. It's hard. It's hard to say one single story. Uh, in fact, as as the story says, uh, yeah, he had many enemies. So it's very hard to to say what was the catalyst. That being said, because of the timing of of events and everything, uh, you can guess very clearly it was probably because of what uh, the different stories he was pursuing of. Uh, the corruption within one um, political clan, which is what they call uh, these sort of cliques, uh, almost uh, in the Colombian Caribbean coast, in particular. Although it's used in different parts of the country, but mainly in the Caribbean coast, uh, because cronyism is like completely uh, right there. Um, that's the way politics is done in the Caribbean coast. Everyone knows it. Uh, and this case is not exceptional. It won't be exceptional if, if if they investigated the town next next to it and the town next to it. Uh, I can tell you, there's a very, very, very high chance that they would find similar levels of corruption. The issue is that very few people dare to investigate and and poke at that because these are the people you are dealing with and. They will kill you. They 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 don't have a problem with that. So, uh, yes, but he was. Then, yeah, but then does that uh, that boded very badly then for an investigation into his murder, Nicholas? Yes, but this is the whole point of the consortium uh, and the the different companies and 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 uh, outlets that are behind it. Uh, it's very different if. Uh, for example, uh, a correspondent from one uh, news outlet goes and does some interviews and then he leaves, you know, he's just going in one moment. He's not there permanently. They don't know who he is. Then the next person comes over and does the next few interviews. And by spreading it out like that and also having the protection of uh, being a recognized uh, news outlet, uh, many international ones as well. Well, there, those local uh, sort of uh, power. Uh, uh, the, the the let's put let's put it the the, the bad forces don't want to draw attention to it. Like, yeah. So like if we if we just to give listeners an idea, the uh, Rafael Moreno. Um, you know, you mentioned his Facebook page, and on on the twenty first of July, twenty twenty two, he got a, a death threat, including a. Bullet, uh, he, you know the in October, he was murdered. He was murdered, and these journalists got together and they effectively put together hundreds of documents, emails. Um, did looked into the work that he was looking into that exposed the the corruption and embezzlement that was going on, and used that then to actually go after the people to say, well, you know. We we may not have the murderer here, but we we will certainly go after the the criminal the criminal enterprise. Is that fair to say? Yes, definitely. And and I think uh, the the it's not it's not so much a, a criminal investigation to see who is behind the murder, 
it's more picking up uh picking off where he left off and uh finishing you know the the investigation that he was doing which was specifically about this whole web uh that the mayor in his town had created and embezzled you know millions of of dollars in in public funding many uh uh much of which was um peace money uh, that was allocated after the 2016 peace uh, accord with the FARC and intended to, uh, you know, uh, impulse um, rural development. So, you know, building schools, building roads, uh, and and they, they stole a lot of that money. Uh, and as I said, unfortunately, you know, as a Colombian, uh, I know that this is just an example of what's probably going to be uh, the case in many, many other towns and areas of the country. Uh, so it is it is unfortunate that that's the case, and and really the, the such low impact that the investigation had in the country. It was just like you know another day at the office uh, when it happened. You know in October when he was killed, and uh, a few weeks ago when when this, you know, large investigation was published, uh, yeah, the impact was, you know, sadly very low. Really? Because I thought it was an amazing story where, whereby the the actual journalist got together quickly after his death, started, to, like he'd sent off, I think it was at one stage he'd sent off four sort of, you know, your Martin, our kind of FOIs, our freedom of information requests and, you know, all these documents and they followed up on them. They took it up. They they knew that the, the the state, and I heard about it. I know it's you know it, it's been picked up by a few other organizations, media groups, um, but but domestically it had no impact. Not really, and and it is hard. I mean, obviously it was picked up and it was talked about on the day, uh, but you know as it is with with countries where we're used to corruption and we're used to violence, uh, it's just you know the the usual news it unfortunately it's not a scandal and much less because it's very very local uh what he what happened and what he was uh, investigating and denouncing highly local uh and so yeah it's hard for for people in big cities to have that even in their radar um it's and this is there any international pressure that could be brought to bear, maybe financial pressure or otherwise that could be brought to bear on the authorities to actually clean up? Um, perhaps, but again, in that sense, there are bigger fish to fry. Uh, you know, this guy, again, is the mayor of a tiny uh, town uh, or maybe small city, let's say, uh, I'm not really sure the exact population of, of Puerto Libertador or, or Montelio, I know a few village, uh, towns that are mentioned. Uh, but the reality is that if we're talking about plans and, you know, uh, endemic corruption in the Colombian Caribbean coast, uh, there are certainly bigger uh, problems. Uh, you, I could name uh, the city of Barranquilla, which is uh, the biggest city in the Caribbean coast in Colombia, that is controlled by one family uh, completely. They own the main uh, commercial uh, outlets, so the 
the, all the supermarkets and all the pharmacies. They own the city's football team. They own the main construction company. So the whole region is theirs. And they, and they and they have their own, they have their own sort of police forces, for want of a better term. They're not police forces as such. They but. It's it's very. I mean, it, it's very. I'm not, again. I'm asking you to realm. I'm asking you to go into the to the realm of speculation, and I'm sorry yeah. to do that. And I don't mean, but like you know, when I look at the when I look at when people say local locals showed up armed, and you're thinking, you know, it's uh, it, it, I wonder if they just decided in the spur, spur of the moment to uh, arm themselves and 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 show up in 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 force. So yeah, it's it is disheartening, but there is also the the. Okay. Ultimately, it is a kind of disheartening story, but 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 I suppose uh, what I what I want to get at is the is the fact that when the international or when the more um, accredited journalists showed up, it made a difference in t- in terms of what could what how restrained the the criminal enterprises felt. That's the case. Yes. Yes. I mean, I and this is my opinion, but I I definitely think that's the case. Um. In the in the case of 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 El País specifically, for example, the reality is that they're not gonna. I mean, unless you're really dealing with the 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 or you get into something very very muddy, uh, I don't think anyone's gonna be willing to you know go out and kill the Spanish correspondent because it's going to create a diplomatic crisis and gonna draw so much attention on them that it's going to be counterproductive. You're not going to silence anyone. You're going to just have uh, the limelight aimed directly at you. So uh, definitely when uh, these sort of consortiums or when uh, you know big outlets like this or and international players uh, do these investigations, they have a, a far better chance of, of getting somewhere. That's, that's uh, certainly true. Is that the way forward, Nicholas? Uh, yes, I think so. And, I, and I, again, I can speak from from El País, uh, El País perspective. Uh, that is uh, a hope that can uh, that can that hope that will uh, hopefully happen in the next few years uh, with a bigger presence in the region and really working to to uh, have some some special and meaningful investigation. Because we know that we have, we're in a particularly good position to do so. Does there need to be more protections for independent journalism? Oh, certainly, certainly. I mean, uh, in Colombia, there's a, a program, uh, government program, uh, with the police that's like for protection, no, similar to like what you understand as like witness protection programs. But this is not so much for witnesses, just for uh, anyone that's being threatened. Uh, for different reasons so it can be politicians and maybe uh activists there's a na- national protection unit is is exactly. one of the things and and moreno did let them know that his life was under threat but the resources simply weren't there there wasn't the bodies there to protect them and i i, I was struggling when you were saying it. i remember that part of the story that he was always telling the truth that this is happening i'm receiving these death threats i'm receiving these letters I mean, they posted him a bullet, you know, um, it was it was very obvious. The saddest part, Nicholas, and it is really ultimately, you know, a man's life is gone. Uh, the saddest part is the, the, the line in the piece where it says, and yet the enterprise remains. 
the, yeah. the the criminal enterprises for want of a better term but it says in the piece it says the enterprise remains yeah i mean the best that the the journalists that and the the whole consortium was able to do was uh gather the evidence and you know join the dots and and that's it uh obviously they talked to the or, or tried to talk to the protagonists of the investigation uh and they all denied everything as you would expect them to do uh and then well the authorities which would be you know local prosecutors for this case or maybe uh someone at a, a state level but not federal you know not 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 national uh it wouldn't it, it wouldn't go that far uh, uh it's unlikely anyway it's incredible uh, for us to hear that from from here it's incredible for us to hear that it's absolutely incredible that a journalist can be murdered and it just kind of slips under the radar that's incredible yeah but the 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 uh the prosecutor um or national prosecutors and even local ones are you know and i say this without you know absolute proof but with complete certainty uh, are absolutely corrupt uh so if the justice system uh, is is as corrupt as everything else you, the the hope of any investigation or anyone you know you know finding anyone guilty of his assassination and then let and then of all the uh corruption that he was investigating to be honest uh from from our perspective uh, as colombians is is extremely low we're not expecting that to go anywhere there's one more and again please go read the pieces because it's very in-depth it's it's well like you got to sit down get yourself a cup of tea or a cup of coffee and take the half an hour it's going to take you to read it read it properly but i will one little spoiler in it was that um moreno himself said that he was kind of a few days away he thought from getting an arrest before his murder i think it was five days before he he thought he was he he was going to bring the story to its conclusion the journalists who stepped in obviously helped fulfill fulfill the part of that story even though even though nicholas you're bringing me down now i'm looking at your face now and you're giving me the like sorry tony we don't have good news um it's they're still denying it and they're still working their way through it uh and a man is dead and he's not coming back but it does show the power i do believe that when when there's solidarity amongst people, particularly in a group like the media, um, and it's pertinent today, Martin, we're saying that because we've got our own incidences in Ireland about it, where we need media solidarity more yes, than ever. Comrade Groves. Yeah, but we do. Um, but outside of that, Nicholas, can I ask you in 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 summary? You are you? Uh, I'm. I thought I was hopeful finishing it. You don't seem very hopeful. Well, I mean. Uh... He's still a, a shining light, uh, and the the whole investigation is still uh, uh, successful, uh, regardless of you know getting justice or not. Uh, uh, in that sense, it's getting the information out there that that is in many ways uh, good enough. And hopefully, with enough investigations, there might be more and more civil pressure uh, and you know maybe uh, those you know legal investigations can get going for real um but yeah i think uh impunity and corruption uh 
Colombians uh, um, consistently stated as the biggest issue in the country. Uh, and, you know, they have them for, for years. And the reality is that, that it is very hard to, to, to tackle uh, because it's very immersed in, in the culture. As I said, uh, for many, many people in the Caribbean coast, for example, where this happened, uh, maybe this isn't even seen as corruption. You know, they would do it as well. You know, if, if they were mayor, of course they would give their cousin, you know, a contract. And if they were that contractor, well, of course they would try and get the cheapest possible materials and keep a little bit for themselves. You know, uh, it's so, so, um, no, interiorized it, that that uh, it is very hard for people even to see it as you know immoral or or anything like that. Nick, all, all I can say really is watch your horse. You yeah. know, take care of yourself. You know, you are, as Tony very rightly pointed out, you are two of the most dangerous countries for journalism. You are on the cutting edge of what's going on there. So watch your arse, take care of yourself. And uh, it is really a pity that a journalist can be murdered and it just simply flies under the radar. It is an awful thing to happen. Yes, definitely. And um, unfortunately, it is it is something that happens uh, just more often that, than we'd like in, in these countries, for sure. Um, Mexico, uh, deals with it all the time and and unfortunately here for example the narrative from the from the government is very much that she were asking for it which is is very disheartening that uh that is the official line um at least in a like mexico well well we can i you mentioned mexico you've mentioned colombia i want to say also um israel and palestine where we have seen journalists come under fire um and uh shreen al akbar and uh, only a year ago um was was murdered by israeli troops and they you know they tried all sorts of um smears to say that you, that that she was involved in something and then admitted that they that they they were wrong but nonetheless it is a very dangerous occupation in many parts of the world um look the, the, and even end on a bigger de- a bigger downer the 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 there is nobody being arrested in relation to Moreno's death nobody right now has been arrested so we but again that doesn't mean you should read this piece it's really really forensic and breaks it all down Nicholas thank you so much for your time again today it's great to catch up with you hope to talk to you again soon in a of it some let's get some better news we, we've had we've had ups and downs you know we've had ups and downs but maybe maybe we will we'll have something good to talk about the next time we, we, we touch base with you I hope what's the what's the temperature out there right now um you know mid-twenties out my way I don't listen <laughs> <laughs> oh Nicholas oh, it's such a hard life really yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll, we'll, we'll take your corruption for your weather <laughs> yeah. we'll but uh, no in, in all sincerity you mind yourself too Nicholas you do mind yourself too no for sure thank you very much Listen, folks, we have lots of stuff coming up out like this. There's a ton of stuff on the way, but I just want to say the conversation we had the other day with John Gibbons, 
um, is equally as depressing as this, isn't it? Martin? I really relation... enjoyed it, actually. Exactly. It's depressing. I had a great conversation. The, the two of them literally more or less talked about climate change and how the world was going to end and where they'd like to be sitting when it does. So if you if that's your vibe, that'll be it with you soon as well. Talk to you all very, very soon. Take care. Bye-bye. Tony and Martin, Martin and Tony, speaking to interesting people only. It's the Echo Chamber Podcast. Subscribe now on Patreon.